Welcome, everyone, back to the Brocast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and it is a joyous... It's Wednesday. It's 420, baby. You're listening to this on 421, but it doesn't matter. Tracy, how are you celebrating this uh, this glorious day? It's a small world after wow. all. Wow. You're taking me how? back into some nightmares. <laughs> how was how was Disneyland on Sunday? It was great. It was great. Um, you got fun. spotted by a bro. I did. I did. But that how? bro that bro didn't didn't I don't know I don't know if they, they didn't feel confident in their evaluation, in their spotting ability. Uh, but they didn't come up to me. They instead just posted on the board. You know what's you know what's why I kind of because I've been spotted at Disneyland too by bros. So we know there's a common thread here, and I don't think it's just coincidental. People who like Bruno Report Online like Disneyland. They really do. Yeah. I think it's Which... because they enjoy the celebration of make believe. <laughs> that was one of the wow, a, a moment of silence for just in awe of that. That was spectacular. Okay, yeah. ready? Five seconds of silence. Okay. Oh, I'd keep going, but you had to cut it off. Okay. Well, that was five. I know, but I, I, I just suddenly wanted more. Um, <laughs> there's a lot going on this week. There's been a lot of news. There's been a, a lot of news, news today, and I got to tell you, I'm tired. Too much stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit tiring sometimes, right? Yep. Like you just... So um, a little bit of an, an announcement, if it's okay. Dave, is it okay if I announce how... Like some things have changed at Bruin Report Online. Yeah, yeah, no, please announce it. Announce it. What would you, what would you do if I said no? Um, <laughs> I would completely ignore you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dave, how long have you been with us at Bruin Report Online? Mm. From the first inception of your well, career. are we count? Are we counting me doing stuff as a student? Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. But then we're talking 15 years. 15 years. And then you moved up to Portland and I called you and said, hey, Dave, I need some, I need some slappies to, from the Daily Bruin uh, just to help out on bro. And I and, said, no, I'll be your slappy. I'll be your Huckleberry Johnny Ringo. <laughs> I'll be your Huckleberry, Huckleberry slappy. So you moved like what within... I think it was like within 35 minutes. You packed yeah, up the car. Yeah, it was precisely 35 minutes. I, I quit what was uh, a true career opportunity, which was working at the Netflix call center, um, to drive down to Los Angeles um, to begin covering uh, Rick Neuheisel's final days. Do you regret the... that, though? Because you could have moved up at Netflix, right? Oh, man, I was I was primed. I was, <laughs> I was, I was on track to be... You were on a jet plane. I was on up. track to be a supervisor of a 10-person of a call center team. I'm just saying. Yeah. 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 My metrics were incredible. I could end those calls under four minutes with, like, a 97% satisfaction rate. Wow. I know. I bet, I bet you're still... They got a little plaque for you. I bet room, they do. Still. I bet they like do. Like pre-beard... No one has ever has ever answered phones better than I. If anyone knows anyone who works in the Netflix customer service office in Portland, please go in and take a picture of the employee of the year from. Would that be two thousand? Well, it wouldn't be me, and, and it wouldn't be me because right. I quit with absolutely zero notice. I just didn't I, show up for work the next day. It doesn't matter. You were so good. They left it up, and they're probably still in mourning. Right now. Well, they probably actually assumed I ascended to a higher plane. <laughs> so they think you, you either would have stayed at Netflix or died. Yeah, either no, I, I, I wouldn't imagine that it's a, it's an employee of the year. I'm sure it's some sort of shrine in, like, the basement or something. Or just most wanted because you stole their computers on the way out. It's true. Something like that. Actually, interesting side note about Netflix. Um, I worked there, and one of the perks of the job was that you got access to their highest plan. Yes. But one of the perks of quitting there with basically no notice is that HR was really, really slow on the uptake. And so I maintained their highest tier disc plan because that was the time when they still offered discs. That's crazy. Which was eight discs out for like three or four years afterwards. Wow, that was almost worth it. Yeah, it was great. I mean, the money was, I mean, pfft. 
money, whatever, but the perks, beautiful. So then you came down, you work, started working for Bro, you worked full time, and then you moved back to the, not back, I'm saying back because it seems back. You moved to the South. I moved to the South. And you had another job just basically because you were on a weird time, <laughs> time yeah. warp. Yeah. Yeah. There, I, I don't even know why, but you did that. I did that for, for a number of years, for and four and a half to five years. Then you moved back to California, mm -hmm. getting your life kind of, you know, in order. Mm -hmm. And then I said, hey, Dave, Woods, why don't you come and work at Bruno Report Online full time? And I'm back, bitches. Woo! This would be if we were like a real podcast, there'd be like a cheer button. And who knows? Maybe with the uh, additional investment of time, I'll actually do some sound drops. No, I won't. It's a can lie. You, can but... you ever borrow some from Ryan? Doesn't he have somebody just throws in the trash? Well, the thing is, it? to borrow that, I would have to borrow Ryan. Um, because it's just not going to happen. Can't Ryan come over here and just give us some sound drops one time, just for fun? Just for fun? You know what? As an April Fool's some year, I should do the uh, Paris-style podcast, and he should do the broadcast. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Like, we should actually yeah. do the Paris-style podcast. We should. And then he, has, be, he, has, he has, like, Ryan, Gerard, Dan Weber doing the broadcast. The problem would be is the USC fans would love us so much. They wouldn't they, be able to handle it. They couldn't go back. Yeah, no, that's true. No, they could not go back. So anyway, um, if you're wondering so yeah. why you've been reading more of my crap and listening to my awful baritone on interviews more than you have in the recent past, that's why. Yes, that, that is why. And, and Dave, also, not only more content, but just more hours, more time, more of the beauty that is Dave Wood's craft and, and and just basic art in in publishing the site. Just absolute. It, it truly is an art. It's, I sounded it's, like I sounded like Bill Walton right there. It then. was good. It was good. It was God, good. God. Okay. So uh, the news from this week. I, I mean, we had a lot. Um, <laughs> There's a lot that's happening. So we'll start with basketball. Let's, let's start with basketball. It. Let's do basketball. All right. Um, so the three yeah. J's, the killer J's, have all yeah. made their announcements. Jaime Hawkes. On yes. Monday, to no one's real surprise, but to great elation. No one's surprised because you get your information from Bro. Everyone else thought exactly. other stuff. Now, but we, now, yeah, I, yeah, no. I had been telling the, people for how long? Let's pump these people. Let's pump them. Say, yeah. you're, you're paying the good money because you're getting the good info. Exactly. All right. Jaime Jaquez announces his return to... And wait, let's stop. Let's just stop. That video... Come on, you cried. You it cried. Was, it, was, it was really good. It was really, really good. The one thing is, and um, I think our, our boy Mockover pointed this out uh, on his 15th viewing, that limp that he's got going at the end is yeah. like, just stay off your feet for like two months, buddy. Just yeah. do it, please. Yeah. But yeah, that video was incredible. Uh, that was incredible. That was the best. Pure catnip. I mean Pure catnip for the bros. Oh Pure my catnip God. for anybody I was who actually cares about UCLA. It was fantastic. Yeah, it yeah. was fantastic. Um, his return is obviously, uh, along with Tiger Campbell eventually making his announcement, um, the the two most important returning players for UCLA uh, with Hawkeyes probably, well, we could get into that. but That's um, arguable. But yeah, it's 50-50. Why argue because, that? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Um if you were looking for the announcement that um, puts UCLA's ceiling where it was this past year and the year before, that's the one. You know, it, it, it elevates this to, again, okay, yeah, it's a Final Four potential team, you know, championship potential team. Then on Tuesday, uh, Jules Bernard announced in a very carefully worded message that he will be testing the NBA waters but maintaining his college eligibility basically in the same breath. Um, that is, I think if you, the discerning bro are paying attention, <laughs> also a very good announcement means Bernard wants to go see what's out there. He's going to realize what's out there and he's going to return to school. Yes. Then today, that's what we, that's, I mean, you never know. You never you, know. You never know. He could, I, we'll, well, we'll bet on that one. But I think it would require, like, the thing is. I think Jules Bernard is a realistic enough fellow that he knows he's not a first rounder. Now, if some team, you know, just loves him 
absolutely loves him and says, we'll sign you to a two-way. Does he have something to think about? Maybe. But is that going to happen? Probably not. So, I mean, what it really... Uh, let's talk about, though, because everyone starts really wants to get into the details of what the factors are, and a lot of them just kind of don't... And I get it. They don't understand. So, for Jules, let's just take... You just went through that scenario. More than likely, he doesn't get an NBA contract. Two-way contract. He probably doesn't get it. Probably not even a free agent, because some free agents can sign two-way contracts. So, he's, he's probably left outside in the whole NBA thing. Right. Right? You'd think. So his options, go play overseas. Uh, I have no idea how much players generally make overseas now. Probably 200 grand, something yeah, like that? Yeah, he'd make, he'd make more than a living wage. It'd be good money. Um, yeah. But is he going to make pretty close to that NIL stuff next year? Very possibly. Does he? Now, does he make NIL money? Yeah, he'll make some. I don't know. Okay. Uh, who, who knows how much, but he's going to make some. And then also he returns to school. Um, he doesn't have to go into grad school. Uh, people think if you're there for your 75th year, you don't have to be in grad school. As long as you're working towards your under, you don't graduate and you work towards your undergraduate degree and you don't, you don't go over the allotted, well, not yeah, allotted. Yeah, there's a max. There's, there's a max, max number of units. I'm very familiar with this uh, calculation. I am too. <laughs> They sent me letters said, "Hey, dude, time to get out." I was, I told you this. I, I had Van, to go to the. Poli I was Van Wilder, Dave. I had yeah. to go to the poli sci department and persuade them to let me uh, minor, which I didn't end up doing. But that was my reasoning for I staying. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that when you were doing that. Uh huh. Um, so Jules Bernard, um, I would say, uh, very, very likely he returns. Um, yes, and we can. I can. You know, everyone's speculating. Let's just get this out of the way, too. You can put your name into the draft, test the waters, and come back, and you can do it twice. Um, and I, that's according to NCA rules. I would say, though, that when it comes to uh, – there's an issue of whether they will – the NCA will let you back, but whether the program will um, welcome you back with open arms. Did you read Mick Cronin's comments? Mick Cronin would very much like for Jules Bernard to return to UCLA and play and, a play a sixth year. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but did you read those compared to Johnny Juzang's coming? Johnny Juzang. All right, today Johnny Juzang announced that he will be declaring for the NBA draft. First, his was not phrased carefully. It was very much, "See you, we, UCLA. Loved you a lot. I'm out." Um, and, so, and Mick Cronin, we loved you. We loved your contributions. We hope you'll have a great pro career. Yeah, uh, beautiful uh, on both parts. I thought Johnny's was very good. I thought Mix was very good. But it's not what Jules did. Uh, it is not the same announcement Jules made, and it is not the same quote from Mick Cronin. Um, I think this is telling. I think it's, first, I think it's a sign that Juzang is much more, I'm out, like I'm I'm leaving. Yeah. Um, whereas Jules wants to educate himself on the process, the whole thing, yada, yada, yada. Um, and... Uh, Here's here's the so first let's 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 be classy. Yeah. Um, Johnny Juzang, amazing, twenty twenty one tournament run. Uh, they do not make the final four without his contributions in that insane um, six game run. Uh, he was uh, just incredible um, and uh, tons of fun to watch. Maybe the most explosive like three week period for a UCLA basketball player in I don't know decades yes um but if we're talking about next year's team um we belabored this a little bit last week but just to reiterate um and i was i was hammering this really hard last week but just to reiterate um there is not a the the, the medium term future of ucla um, basketball under mick cronin would have been negatively impacted by all three of these guys returning for next year uh, because I, that's highly speculative, but I tend to agree. Yeah. So here's, here's the, uh, just because I think people like they get a little bit, um, out over their skis and they're not really doing the math. If Jaime Jules and Johnny returned, that's 90 of 120 minutes on the wings allotted to those three and 90 is conservative. Jaime Hawk is a fully healthy version of him is probably playing 32 to 34 next year. Yeah. Uh, each of these guys is playing over 30. But let's just say it's 90. That leaves 30 total minutes per game to split between Amari Bailey, Jalen Clark. Start right there. Just those two. 
how are you splitting 30 minutes just between those two guys? But then add David Singleton and Will McClendon. You're not. You're not effectively doing that and keeping any of those guys happy. And if you want to see a five-star problem that's going to be a real issue, it's if you don't play Amari Bailey more than 15 minutes a game. Um, so there's that. Um, and so, and then if you're thinking about which guy makes the most sense for UCLA to lose and the program to still have um, essentially an upward trajectory, it's probably choosing. And that's not to knock him really as a player, but um, if the guy who maybe wasn't as bought into the defensive ethos, the guy who wasn't maybe as bought into just um, uh, shot selection, you know, kind of all the stuff that um, I think has been uh, a hallmark of um, Cronin's program. And he did buy into it more, but he wasn't, he wasn't Jules Bernard um, from those angles. And yeah, he's not, you know, Jules is not the shot creator that Johnny Juzang is, but with the way um, UCLA is increasing its talent level and guys have developed, you actually don't need a guy who's chucking like Johnny um, the way they did in 2021. Chucking so, like Johnny. Yeah. Chucking like Johnny. So, end result, um, I think this is, assuming Jules comes back pretty close to the ideal result, not only for next year, because you could make an argument that getting Johnny back for next year alone, I could go either way on it, but you could make an argument that it would be better for UCLA for next year by itself to get Johnny back. But if you're talking about the next three or four years, I think there's no question that this is pretty close to the ideal result. Yeah, I'd argue with that on that first part of that. Um, I think I, we've said it. I've said it. Um, I don't think it's mutually exclusive to appreciate what Johnny Juzang did for UCLA in that final four run, like you said, if he had not done that, they would not have made the final four. He was on fire, lightning in the bottle. We haven't really seen him do that again. And he was injured at times this season. Um, all in all, over the course of two seasons, he had that window of the NSA tournament in 2021. And then the rest. If you take the rest, I believe, and we saw it this season when he was healthy, I personally thought my takeaway was that he was, the team was better without him on the floor. Um, that if you really look at, that's a positive play, negative play, positive play, negative play, that his negative plays outweighed his positive unless he scored upwards of 20, 20 points a game. Um, and that's just him individually. There's there's so many instances when we've saw watched the team play and they played they played better. And I'm not even talking defense, which we've said before. The offense flowed better. There was more movement, more ball movement. So not mutually exclusive to say UCLA does not make that run without him, but they're a better team without him. I think generally and absolutely next season. So. There you go. We appreciate Johnny Juzang as a Bruin. Um, he provided all UCLA fans, uh, I mean, an amazing experience for that for that NCAA tournament. I mean, from first four to final four, on basically on his back. So phenomenal thing. We wish him luck. There would be nothing. I couldn't think of anything better in this situation where he lights it up. <laughs> Um, in the NBA, and we can all and we can watch him. Uh, the NBA is such a weird thing to grasp. You you can you can you can say he's not an NBA player, but who knows anymore? I, I, it's hard to. I mean, who would he guard? I get that, but if he if he improves his his shooting consistency just a tad, I could see him. I could see him in the NBA. It's a shooter's game. I mean, my God, they come across the half-court line, they jack it up. Uh, I think he could fit in if he could consistently shoot shoot better. So I think he has a chance. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a matter of him um, refining his shot selection and getting um, more reliable from range. Um, you can't uh, – he can't be the, the, the type of player he is um, at the NBA level. You're just – you're not going to live off of – uh, two pointers the way he does um, yeah. at the college level. So, but he's got the, he's got the height um, to be an effective three point shooter, but he has to get, he has to get automatic um, automatic and he's, and he's not there yet. And um, I think he has a chance though. 
He totally does. Um, and if he can, if he can embrace that sort of role, um, I mean, he still has to become a better defender. And I think there's ways for him, even as, even as a relative non-athlete to be a better and smarter and more committed defender. Um, but yeah, I mean, a, a guy with his shooting mechanics should be able to, um, get his, get his percentages up and eventually, um, you know, you could see that being a role at the next level. So, um, so let's say he moves on. Uh, we are saying the odds are Jules Bernard returns. Um, mm-hmm. At this point, we have uh, there are 13 scholarship players, an, a big log jam in the post. Um, you would have Miles Johnson, Cody Riley, Mac Etienne, Ken Uba, and incoming freshman, the freshman Adem Bona. Hey, uh, a little inside Tracy Pearson thing that I want everyone to be oh, aware no. of. Oh, crap. You ready oh, for this one? Oh, no. Pay attention over the years to this. Um, whenever there is a Kenny or a Kenneth with Tracy Pearson, it is always Ken. Never anything else. I just want people to know. You know they what? Need I, to be aware. I write Kenneth though because that's what it picks up on the hyperlink. On I know side. you do. I know you do. But it is it is one of your funniest ticks. Is it always has to be Ken? It can't you be anything why? else. You why? know why? Why? I heard. A, I don't know where I heard it, but someone said, "Never trust an adult." man who goes by the childish version of his name the jimmies the kenny's wow the tommy's we are so sorry Bruin that Kenny. goes all the way we back are so to jimmy, sorry, Bruin jimmy Kenny. carter <laughs> yeah yeah it was sorry Bruin kenny that's that's why we never trusted you yeah um uh, all right anyway yeah so the the five spot um there's there's a lot of bodies there that's going to get figured out i mean there, there's not going to be five centers entering next year yeah um, I wrote yesterday on the forum that it could very well be more likely that Cody Riley returns than, than Miles Johnson. Uh, of course, people start thinking, what's wrong with Miles Johnson? Why wouldn't, oh my God, why, why would the IBM job will wait for him? Okay, here's another thing where you just got to understand what the real experience is. So Miles Johnson is in the grad program for computer and electrical engineering. It's a very elite grad program. It is a, a very, very time consuming. Like I, I know someone who was in it and I saw someone else on the forum said, I was in that grad program, it kicked my ass. So he's doing that, which must take, you know, 60 hours a week. Then he's expected to play basketball, which is, I'd say a good, what would you say? 40 to 50 hours a week if you do it right? Yeah. Um, because not only are you supposed to go to practice and film room and all that, you should spend a few hours a day alone in a gym practicing. Yep. So it's awfully hard to expect this of this young man. Something's got, something has to give. And he was probably being both were, he was probably not doing either as well as he might. Um, his future, I think, is probably in engineering, wouldn't you say? I mean, you can't fault the kid for making the decision on, I'm going to opt for this now because this is that's his future, that's his life. If he got in the best shape of his life, he's still probably not an NBA player, but he can probably play overseas for like a decade. Um, yeah. But he, he would need to... Because right now he's probably... I don't know. What do you think? It's not even that he's carrying too much extra weight. It's that there's, you know... I wouldn't say a paunch, but, you know, he could he could refine his body a little bit. But to transform the body, the amount of work in this offseason... Yeah, it would take would a take. ton of work. A ton of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, give the kid a break. I mean, let's just, that's let's what I'm just, saying. Let's just, let's, just, let's just make this really easy and simple. Let's eliminate both of them from what we're talking about. Let's just say... I, that, I, just a, a little bit of an asterisk there. Cody Riley could return. Um, if you, Like I said, co- let's eliminate both of them. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, you just skip right over that. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, Cody Riley could return. Um, yeah, that, that would be interesting. It would be very interesting, but there's a possibility that that could happen. I wrote uh, that a couple of weeks ago, and I'm standing by it. I he mean, would he would be 25 years old next season. Well, in a vacuum, what are his options? 
to, to go to, play to, overseas. To, to graduate from college. Well, first to leave is to go play overseas. Correct. To stay is to, from what I know, Cody isn't a natural student. If he stayed, he would get his degree from UCLA, which would be a huge thing for him, I think. Huge thing for anyone. Um, and I think there's an element here, and, and looking at it from the fan standpoint, you have to acknowledge this. 2020-2021, Cody Riley was a little bit beastly down there toward the end of that season. He, this season, he never regained that form. When he came back from the knee injury, he was never the same. Not that he could reach that form, but there's got to be a feeling, I think, in his mind and probably within the program that if he got in great shape, he kept working on his game, he got more confident in his knee, he would be able to reclaim that form from 2020-2021. Um, well, okay. Well, let's talk about 2020-2021 because I think there's a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a glow-eyed look at that. Um, I think it's a similar thing that happened with Johnny Juzang, which is that Cody was effective down the stretch and it kind of masked what were the issues for most of that season. And the issues for most of that season were really the same injury were the same issues that happened post injury this year. A uh, non-explosive post player who can easily be guarded by athleticism. Um, and when he was truly embracing the like full gamut of old man moves um, in the NCAA tournament, he was able to score around and through some guys. Um, but it's always very it always looks very hard what he's doing. It was uh, also defensively though, Dave. He he played some. He played pretty well defensively in 2021. He moved his feet. They were able to switch with him. He got some block shots. How he played defense down the end of this uh, season w was not even close. He he stood there a lot, let people go around him, I, just on help yeah. defense, stood there and watched. I guess my point is um, Cody Riley at his absolute peak as a defender was not better than Jalen Hill, and he was not better than Miles Johnson, and he will not be better than Adam Bona. Yeah. Adembona. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, uh, it, it's. Uh, he, I'm just giving the reason, the reasoning on why he could come back. I get it. I get yeah. it. Um, so, all right. Well, there's a scenario, a live scenario, uh, where Cody Riley could come back. Um, but if neither of them return, it's going to be Bona, Etienne, and Nwuba as the fives. Um, so. If that happens, there's going to be a lack of experience. So to that, to your point, or to maybe the program's point, getting one of Riley or Johnson back would actually be nice. Yes. Because you would have some experience there. But you will also run into a minutes crunch. And it's, again, a very real minutes crunch because not really Nawuba. We love him. But he's a, he's a 13th guy. He's there for practice, more or less. Um, but the other two, uh, Bona and Etienne. Because... That, that whole wing thing, it doesn't just go away. So you still have, even with only Bernard and Jaquez returning, you still have 60 minutes then for Bailey, Singleton, McClendon, and Clark, which can work, right? You can play Bailey 20, Jalen Clark 20-ish, and then split 20 between Singleton and McClendon and keep everyone relatively happy. I'm not happy if Jalen Clark's playing 20 minutes. Uh, agreed, but okay. agreed. Yeah. But relative. Let's just talk in relativity. Um, but the issue is, if you bring Cody Riley or Miles Johnson back, well, one of them is playing 20 minutes a game, whichever one comes back. Then you've got Bona, who's playing, I mean, what does he got to play? 15? 20? To be happy? 20? Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I'll go out on a limb and say, Adem Bona is going to play 20 minutes a game next year. Sure. Okay, but if you're returning Cody Riley or Miles Johnson, one of them is also playing 20-ish minutes a game, correct? Maybe Cody Riley because of how we know that they rely on him. I would bet Miles Johnson would not. Well, then what is Mac Etienne doing? You're exactly right. There's, there's, I think what you need to do is take a leap of faith. And while you say, obviously, there's youth and inexperience, but I think we all got to go in with, Adem Bona and Mac Etienne. And the, the issue is coming back from the ACL. I've heard he's really, uh, Mac Etienne has recovered from the ACL. He's on track, ahead of track. And that he, he will be able 
to provide you 18 minutes, solid minutes. He in that he he will be good offensively. That'll be good because I think um, that's the situation that you really want to see this year. And then for... a Denbona is your energizer buddy. Right. Yeah. He plays 2022, and then With you've got your five figured out. Endless, endless energy and and <laughs> that he brings to the court. And so that's what I'm, and I think that's the situation where you are not only um, maybe putting your best, your 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 best foot forward from a talent angle, but you're also setting up the conditions for health of the program because you're playing the five star, you're playing Mac Etienne who projects as your four or five year you know core guy, um, and you're playing them both enough that you're keeping them happy. Um, yeah. And then with the wing spots, you're also then not having to try to steal minutes for Bona or Etienne at the four, because as I was getting at with the wing spots is it suddenly does become a crunch again if you're trying to steal minutes for one of the bigs at the four. Um, they they really can't do that because they've got, they have four wings in Bailey, Bernard, Hawkes, and Clark who all should be playing minimum of 25 minutes a game. Um and it's just not going to work out like that. Hawkes and Bernard are going to play 30 plus and Bailey and Clark are going to have to fight to see who, which one of them gets 25. Um, and so it's going to be tricky and it would be made even more tricky if the, the, the plan is to steal five minutes at the four for Bona or Etienne. So Bernard and Hawkes get 30. Yep. So now we have 60 remaining, uh, 60 remaining. Yeah, so you give, say you give twenty to Bailey and twenty to Clark, and why can't we split give twenty? We can't give twenty-five each if we have sixty left. Then you have that? ten left for Singleton and McClendon. Okay, well let's split. Let's split the difference. It's not we're at twenty-two. So just as a as a as a point, David Singleton played seventeen minutes per game this year. Yeah, a lot of that was based on some injuries that he was filling in. Uh, that I think was fewer I, than I, the previous year. I think David Singleton will have to acknowledge that playing time will be an issue if Bernard, if Jules Bernard returns. But here's the other thing. But here's the other thing. Will McClendon has to be a part of next year's core, the following year's core. And if you're playing David Singleton, say, 10 minutes, and you're playing Jalen Clark and Marley Bailey 25 minutes, that leaves McClendon with precisely zero minutes. You do know, though, and you're, I know you're aware of this because you used to speak to some coaches, namely <laughs> Jim Moore, who would say, I never will play anyone thinking about giving them time the next year. I'm playing to win right now. And yeah, if yeah. it doesn't work out the next year, eh, it doesn't work out. I right, need to right, win right but now. Just, just because yeah. coaches are stupid doesn't mean we have to be. No, but I'm just, we're trying to say what will happen. So we can't be smart. That's true. So okay, why, so, why even right. attempt, Dave? Because that's not in our. It's not like who we are. Okay, right? okay, okay. So yeah, I guess there is a scenario then where you could see twenty-five for Bailey, twenty-five for Clark, um, and then I mean the reality is somebody's going to get dinged up. There'll be some ankles. There'll be spells, all that other stuff. So that essentially, when we say they're getting twenty-five or this guy's getting ten, what it actually turns out to be is they're each getting twenty-eight and he's getting fifteen. Yeah. Um, because of injuries and foul trouble and all that other stuff. So yeah. um, McClendon would see time, but I would see McClendon's role as essentially being Jake Kymans uh, from this past year, where it's basically spot minutes and junk time. And here's the thing about Amari Bailey, too. Peyton Watson, in my opinion, there were times when he, I thought maybe he should have played a little bit more. But overall, playing time was justified. I mean, maybe down the end, down to the end of the season, when we would have liked to have seen a more defensive five on the court, little bit more minutes, but didn't really earn them early. And you, when you're going towards the end of the season, it's like the first 60% of the season is kind of a tryout. You find your guys, and those are the guys you're going with <laughs> when it comes to March. That's, that's how coaches think, and I get it. I don't think he earned the playing time. Amari Bailey is not that guy. Amari Bailey is immediately going to be able to earn 20, 25 minutes. He's a completely different type of five-star than Peyton Watson was. Yeah, he has some upside, but Peyton Watson was... What percentage of upside was Peyton Watson, Dave? Uh, 80% upside and 20% production. Okay. Um, 
while Amari Bailey will has tremendous upside, you are going to get, I'd say, 65-35 and 65 production. Yeah. Because not only he can do some stuff, he can handle the ball like solidly as a point guard. He passes the ball. He has vision. So you can keep him on. Will he make some mistakes? Will he, you know, uh, commit a turnover? Of course. But he will know how to play at a, a much higher level than Peyton Watson displayed. Peyton Watson came, as soon as he, he, he didn't really know what he was doing. I mean, he was almost starting from scratch. Um, which goes back to, let's, let's say this, he had the option to come in early the year before like Mac Eddian did. UCLA wanted him to do that. He turned that down because he said, I mean, what they said publicly, and I, I have no reason to really doubt it, he wanted to play his last year, which was the COVID year, with his brother in high school. Completely get that. But then they only played like seven games, and, and then they, they didn't play anymore. So he gave that up. It's, it's interesting to think if he had come in early with that, you know, that freebie season that McEdian had, how much better he would have been this last year. But Yeah, that's just, a real missed opportunity. Just an aside, Amari Bailey is going to be worthy of 25 minutes a game. Well, and so here's the other thing, and maybe this is a better way of thinking about the, the, the one through four next year. You've got five guys for four spots who you know are going to be guys. Campbell, Bailey, Bernard, Hawkes, and Clark right yeah and then you've got so that's um and those four spots that amounts to 160 minutes you want each of those guys to get what are we saying we want each of them to get 30 minutes yeah let's do that okay so we want each of those guys to get 30 minutes so that amounts to 150 minutes so you've got 10 left over so your rotation when you get to um the tournament is probably going to be that those five guys getting like 30-ish minutes a game. And then the three remaining, Dylan Andrews, David Singleton, and Will McClendon fighting for the 10 minutes um, yeah. come come tournament time. Yeah. Um, and for my money, I think it'll end up being Singleton because he can actually, you know, well, and we'll see. McClendon might be able to shoot too. Um, but Bailey can absolutely be the backup point guard um, rather than Dylan Andrews. That'll be a competition. Um, yeah, that, that'll be really interesting too because, you know, Mick has – very much relied on Jules Bernard as the backup point guard and trust him. So you've got Jules oh, if, Bernard, if either Dylan Bailey Andrews, or, if either Bailey or Andrew proves to be turnover prone, Jules Bernard is going to be the backup point guard again. Yes. There's no way yes. Mick Cronin is tolerating turnovers from that position. Yes. So, uh, but this is all, this is all fun. It's this very fun. All, it's very and, and fun the, to think about. And the funniest part about you knew this was going to happen. As, as soon as the announcement that Johnny Juzang wasn't returning, all those prognostications that had UCLA at number one next year, two or three, they dropped them to like seven. I mean... It's just a bunch of know-nothings. It's, this it's team the same is at thing. least as good without Johnny Juzang. You know it, what it is? You it know is what it is? Him. It's um, And this is funny because this was brought up on the board this week, the uh, Jordan Farmar thing. Um, the you know Who are the best two-year players in UCLA? history and Jordan Farmer is certainly up there but it's the same thing that happened after Farmer left right uh, yeah. that first final four where everyone's like oh my god they're 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 just not going to be that good next year they're not going to be there um and anybody who'd been paying attention is like oh no no they're gonna be better they've got Darren Collison uh he's a better defensive point guard than Jordan Farmer ever was definitely fits that more um and they're returning actually the most important guys which are Aaron Aflalo and Luke Richard and Bob Mute. um same thing here um, yeah, they're going to lose Johnny Juzang, who's the leading scorer. But um, I mean, I, I think they'll be a better team next year. Yeah, because of it. Yeah, I agree. So I, I mean, it's kind of set up. It's really if Jules Bernard returns, it's it hits on it checks so many boxes. Cronin's got the his guys. He's got his warriors. He's got Tiger Campbell, Jules Bernard, and Jaime Hawkes. Those are his. Those are his guys. Now, those are the guys that do spend four extra hours in the gym a day. Those are the guys who are tough-minded that Mick Cronin loves. So he's got those guys. And how much? How many games have they played <laughs> between the three of them? Holy crap! And then you've got Jalen Clark. Didn't he tweet out something like, 
whoa, next year is my, my, is my breakout. Year or whatever. <laughs> that was the perfect thing to say, just to get to titillate everyone. And it might not be that far off. I mean, you could see him having a, a you know, just layering a little bit more experience on what we saw this last season and, and dang. And what he does for the team on both sides of the court. So that's that's really exciting. And then figuring in Amari Bailey and Adem Bona. Um, I think you all are really going to be excited when you see these guys, when you see both of them plug in. Not just Amari Bailey for all the things we said, but Adem Bona is 6'9", 225, uh, just one just a big muscle that runs like a gazelle blocks shots rebounds beats up people i mean yeah it plays with just a high motor that you're gonna love so it's going to be a lot of a lot of fun and then will mcclendon is a complete wild card that we've told that they're expecting a lot of him and then we've got David Singleton to have that coming off the bench. And if Dylan Andrews is a legit guy who can play, which I think he is, wow. I mean, there's a lot to look forward to for next season. Can I add a little grace note to our basketball conversation before we move on to football? Absolutely. Uh, Nevada just fired its athletic director. I wonder why. I, I mean, why? I just, you know, I, I think it, maybe, and this is just me spitballing here, maybe it was giving a tenure contract to Steve Alford. Wow, that, wow. Can we just, we've said it before, how, just athletic directors don't know what they're, they're probably, there are a lot of really good administrators. Dan Guerrero, from what I've heard, was an excellent administrator. He really was. It's amazing how little they know of the sport that they're supposed to be overseeing and managing. Yep. In three that, years, Steve Alford has taken a, 29 and 5, uh, number 27 in Ken Palm, Eric Musselman team to 85th in Ken Palm, 91st in Ken Palm, and now 115th in Ken Palm. Happy trails. You know, and the one thing before when he was at New Mexico, he had he had good defensive teams. That's the thing. What? Where? Where is that? How has this happened at UCLA and at Nevada? Is it just... You know, retirement job, you're done. You don't want to do this anymore? Or was it just a matter of who you had that year? Uh, mm, mm, overrated. Right. I think that's all it was. Uh, so he, you he thought had, that was random. He had, he had like uh, two really good defensive teams in his entire career. Um, one was at Iowa and his last year at New Mexico. Other than that, it was just kind of, they're fine. But anyway, uh, Steve Alford sucks. Happy he's failing. Um, really fast. Again. Yep. Get excited about 2023 UCLA basketball recruiting, too, because uh, there is an, another evaluation period coming up this weekend. Uh, the coaches will be at uh, the EYBL, which is in Indianapolis, uh, and both Adidas and Under Armour. Um, and they're out looking for some guys. Dusty Stromer, from what I've heard, UCLA is looking really good. Commitment should probably happen within a couple of weeks. I'd have to, at this point, it's UCLA leading. Uh, then there's a lot of guys to get excited about. Isaiah Collier, who's a combo point guard from from Georgia. We talked about him. He's a stud. UCLA is doing well with Ron Holland, one of the best power forwards in the country. So I anticipate they're going to be offering a few more guys in 2023. Um, and then they'll be looking at the transfer portal next offseason. And there is an off chance they could be looking at it this season, too, like we said last week. Um, if they have a scholarship open up, I know what your sentiment is. That generally isn't the way coaches think. But if what, we're, what I'm talking about, if they get a scholarship opening, will they go out? to get a transfer and you say no there's don't a... do it say say it dave don't do it mick don't <laughs> do it you hang on to that puppy honestly even if they're down to 11 guys i probably wouldn't but um i could see maybe the argument to go out and get like an insurance big but it would again be like a miles johnson type like somebody who's 
you know, interested in other stuff, but could provide you 10 minutes a game in a pinch. Um, yeah, you know what would be nice, too, is a multi-year power forward who acknowledges... No, no, ag- no, yes, no, yes. no, because you have a perfect, gonna... a perfect college four in Jaime Jaquez. You have it. It's done. He's going to play 32 minutes a game. You need to get minutes for Jalen Clark. Do okay. not bring in okay. anyone else. Okay. Okay. And then no. we'll just go to the no, transfer no, no. portal. You don't even put that in the universe, Tracy. There is no, no multi year like wing that you want to get unless another one of these guys is leaving. If Jules okay. Bernard leaves, then yes. Okay. I'll, you know what? I'll just I'll let you have that one. Don't do it. I'm t- I'm I just don't do it. Don't do it, Mick. Don't you dare. Um, you know, Mick listens to these. Like he when should. he's in his car. I'm dropping yeah, he's driving I'm dro- around. I'm dropping listening. pearls right here. Yeah. All right. We got to move on to football. Oh, okay. All right. So uh, we are two thirds of the way through spring practice. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And um, another announcement uh, Wednesday, today, but not for you. Today is Thursday for you. Yes. Um, but uh, Odua. Wow, you are not good at that, but yeah. Okay. Oh, I am. I'm great <laughs> at it. Uh, Odua Izabor, uh, the defensive tackle, defensive lineman, uh, one time outside linebacker, um, and a sixth year senior this coming, se- this coming season, has uh, elected to enter the transfer portal after spending um, conservatively nine practices with the first string at defensive tackle. And he was at least taking reps with the first string though. It looked like Quentin Somerville and Hayden Harris, um, started to work in a little bit more this past practice. Um, but he, uh, he's deciding to transfer. He was one of the guys who had entered the grad program that you've talked about for coaching and leadership. Um, and, um, He's, he's moving on now, which is, I think, a really interesting one and also um, potentially concerning um, for what's going on at defensive tackle. I think UCLA's got some big guys. Doesn't necessarily have somebody who can really operate the three-tech, at least not at this time. We'll see if Jacob Sykes can do it when he comes in this summer. You know who else can do it? Uh, Murphy. There we Murphy go. Too. I, think, I think Odua Isabor was sensing... I, what we've seen in spring practice is a lot of different personnel uh, mixing and matching. Um, we've seen a lot of guys take take uh, snaps at that. I guess it, let's just call it a three technique. Um, it's it's different in when you're in the four three or when you're in the nickel, but we'll call it a three technique. There are so many guys who have taken snaps there. <laughs> Um, in different, in different uh, down and distance situations. So the Murphys were, as you said, there was Quentin Somerville. Um, they have Jacob Sykes, the transfer from Harvard, who is a three technique, and he'll be coming in. Uh, they like I think, I think you wrote that they could go big with Jay Tuia at more of the nose tackle, and even slide over Martin Andrus. Mm-hmm. Or slide over and go really big. I mean, he's. I think what it really was as we started to see, and I don't know which Murphy. I gotta confess, but as we started to see, I it doesn't. It was, they're the I same guy. Gabriel. They're the same guy, Tracy. No, they're not. But uh, I think it was Gabriel that they were starting to play inside some, and I think he was starting to sense. Uh, he. He sit, he's like you wrote, he's a backup for his whole career. This is his sixth year. He's got to be feeling, I put in all this work. I, I really need to start. And then as soon as he's starting to sense that he's probably not going to get starter minutes, I understand. I completely understand the move. Yeah, me too. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, it's unfortunate timing. Um, but... Um, they might they might be able to mix and match enough that the defensive line isn't going to take too much of a hit. Um, as we'd written about, and this is not to knock Isabor, he wasn't really showing a whole lot in spring ball. Um, so yeah, it's funny too because I went back and watched a few games at the end of the season. He was looking really good, very really explosive. Um, well, there was a time when he looked like the heir apparent to Osa de Gazua, um, right? And just didn't quite click, I guess. Um, so, uh, 
like I wrote on the forum yesterday, uh, I had been told that UCLA was starting to sniff around other uh, transfer defensive linemen. Um, and then we heard the Isabor announcement. UCLA has eight open eight open scholarships. Let me. I'm gonna check that, Dave. Let me. Let me check. I think it's eight. Uh, uh, I think it's eight. I gotta look at this again. Um, that gives them the opportunity to. I mean, they've got a lot of younger guys with multiple year years of eligibility on the roster, but you could easily bring in some grad one year grad guys who come in and, you know, might not necessarily start, but could really shore up depth and be in the rotation. You've got so many scholarships to give. I think that might be a thing. So we might be seeing a transfer come in that isn't exactly probably FCS, maybe Ivy league to come in and, uh, and just provide potential depth within the rotation. Right. But really interesting. I mean, we've we've been saying it for a while <laughs> that you know the transfers are gonna are gonna keep rolling, right? And they certainly have. So there you go. They very much have. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's one thing with spring practice. I did want to note just kind of my general after now having watched seven scholarships. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Now after having watched, I don't know. I think I've watched seven of these ten practices. Um, I think my general feeling on the team is that I believe it's going to have a pretty high floor because I think the entire team has like, you know, when you look at every position group, I'm like, yeah, I mean, offensive tackle is a worry, but I think it's all average to above average, but I don't think it has much of a ceiling because when I'm watching the, and this was kind of accentuated this past practice, but it's just, there's not a lot of star power out there. You got like Zach Charbonnet, who looks great. You've got Dorian Thompson Robinson, who's, you know, obviously a fifth year guy and has that electric arm. But um, just across the board, it's a lot of like, yeah, pretty good, but not a lot of elite. Um, and I think that's kind of my feeling heading into, uh, you know, and we'll see if it changes in the next five practices, but that's my feeling heading into the offseason and, and maybe heading into 2022. It's funny because you're, it's, I know this is off season, Dave. I'm I'm more pessimistic than you are. Uh, we talked about it before, but you know, college football is about high level talent. Those stars, it's about experience, right? When you're talking personnel and then coaching and all that stuff. Um, when you're talking high end talent, like you said, you don't see a lot of it. You, you just uh, they had more of it last year, maybe. They have a chance to possibly, if the Murphys really step up and they get, you know, 10 sacks each. But I thought there was more in spring last year uh, of looking at potential like pro talent, put it that way. Yeah, and that's the part where I'm kind of struggling because I think on offense, um, if you're talking about potential pros, it's Dorian and Zach and then maybe Ezekiel. Right. And then last year, think about it. Dorian, Zach, Britton Brown, Kyle Phillips, Greg Dulcich, Sean Ryan, Alec Anderson, all guys who had potential from clear NFL talent to potential NFL talent with experience. Um, I'm probably missing some guys too. But I mean, now you, uh, you don't see it. Um, and then... On top of the high-level talent, you're talking about experience. They are they returned 18 uh, starters last year, and that's what we were looking at last spring. This year, I think they're at seven returning starters on both sides of the ball. So, yeah, a little a little skeptical uh, about it. Um, and I, I think the fact that Tyler Manoa, as you reported on. Tuesday has moved into the starting right tackle spot. 
I mean, you could say he's just so talented and wow, Tracy, you were really, really on spot on when you said he should have been a tackle four years ago. But it's still a little bit worrisome. Yeah, I talked to myself in third person and gave myself kudos. I loved it. <laughs> but you can also say it's a bit worrisome that um, a fifth year, a super senior defensive lineman is probably your best right tackle in spring practice right now. Pretty, pretty worrisome. Yeah, um, not good. Not good. Not um, good. You don't want the guy who's been playing, who's played uh, offensive line for the first time, and he was probably doing it in high school. So the first time in four years, he's now your first string right tackle. Not good. No. Yeah. I mean, Raekwon O'Neal, uh, the transfer from New Jersey, will come in. Yes. And I, I'd have to think he moves to le- starting left tackle. And then DeGiorgio probably slides over, and Manoa's back in the second string. Right. And then, so Manoa is your swing tackle. I, I mean, he, I, I mean, they're grooming Bruno Fina, but to our eyes, Tyler Manoa has been better than Bruno Fina, correct? Correct. So, I mean, if anything, if Raekwon O'Neal is the starting left tackle, something happens to him, they probably go back to Garrett DiGiorgio, move him to left tackle, and then Tyler Manoa is your starting right tackle. I think or that's just, probably eh, nah, screw it. Just throw out some more tight ends. Hey, I'm, I'm not necessarily against that. The tight ends are looking like freakish out there. It's so good. It's so good. Not only so good, but so huge. Yeah, they're all big dudes. Like, that's the thing is, I asked, I asked, uh, I asked our man Chip about that yesterday. And I was just like, are, are, you, are you stamping them out of a factory or something? Because they're all, like, just these, like, big 6'6 dudes that are, like, 240 to 260 pounds. Like, yeah. every single one of them. Yeah. yeah. What is I this? mean, it, 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 some guys, like Carson Ryan, the freshman who's 6'4", we talked about this, 6'4", 240, he looks he small. small. He looks Michael small. Zike looks small standing next to Habermill. Well, it's and deceptive David because and, Habermill's yeah. huge. Habermill. Like, Habermill is, like, 6'7", or something. He's um, a good 6'6". To, yeah, and then Churich is six seven. It's nuts. And then Sam Suma. Sam Suma, and the, there's another guy too. I don't even know all their names. There's another one. <laughs> we that's the, that's them. Yeah, that's, no, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's Habermill, Suma, Preby, Carson, Ryan, Azike, and Michael Churich. Are we convinced that they're not running a cloning program at UCLA? That that's not where the sports science money went into? Because uh, honestly. Watching the Murphys out there, like that's yeah, a that's weird. a little suspect. It's too, a little right? weird watching them because they're especially when they're doing drills alongside each other. When the defensive ends are doing the tackling drills and they just happen to be going at the same time, and it's literally like just the exact same thing happening, and they look exactly the same, but and they're not, moving exactly the same. Now I don't claim to know. I'm not really. I mean, I'm not really like a cloning scientist. Mm-hmm. But if you clone something, it doesn't get cloned to the present age of the person you cloned. Look, dude, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure there's some movie where it happens like that. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's... Multiplicity uh, with Michael Keaton. <laughs> that's, that's the second week that we will have... Uh, we will have Bring that up. Everyone go see Multiplicity. It's multiplicity, in a multiplex yeah. near you. Everyone should appreciate Michael Keaton more. He, great career. You got to admit, he started out as some slappy comedian, got serious, played Batman. And played, like, honestly, that Batman is still, the like, very much the best one. And, and, and uh, nominated for an Academy Award, right? Also, a uh, little something for you people out there. His actual name is Michael Douglas. Right. Had to change that. Had to change it because he couldn't be... Um, couldn't be, couldn't be Michael Douglas. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, and and seriously, one of the most overlooked but underappreciated. Um, shit, the name. Um, oh, Birdman. Birdman. Yeah, <laughs> love that movie. I love that movie. Yeah, and yeah. he's great in it. Yeah, he's good in Spotlight. He's good in lots of stuff. Yeah. Go. All right. So everyone, uh, when uh, spring practice is over and we hit the doldrums a little bit. 
we're going to spend a month just um, writing movie reviews about Michael Keaton movies. We're going to start at the beginning of his career, um, and every day we'll have a new Michael Keaton movie review for you. Wow. If there was ever a reason for them to cancel their subscription, that would be it. Yeah. You, yeah. I, all right. I want to poll out there, bros. Would you pay 10 bucks a month or whatever? What are we charging these days? I have no idea. Who knows? Um, would you pay whatever? Hasn't amount? gone up in a long time. Yeah. I know that it never goes up. This is yeah. uh, this is uh, this is the opposite of like Netflix. Yeah. Um, but would you pay whatever that amount is for a site that just gave you Michael Keaton movie reviews? Sound off. Do you do you know how many times we've asked? Hey, w- could you guys tell us what you? And no one tells us what they think. They always do. It's just like one dude on the message board, though. And everyone else is like, what are you talking about? Because Now, sometimes they talk about other things. A lot of the stuff we've asked for specifically, they have not given to us. Well, we want this. We want this. We want it in a poll. I don't want to create the poll. I want you to do it. Okay? How about the, not talking also, to Tracy, the best, talking to Michael, my, best Michael Keaton movies, too? Right? Yeah. Okay. All of them. Every single one. Okay, right. Dave. I need a drink. All right. Well, for Tracy Pearson, I am David Woods. <sighs> And we will talk to you again next time. Bye. Cheers.